mom gets mad sometimes, even though sometimes you do break the rules or break a glass or spill a cup of milk, even though I still love you, you still matter, you're still important, you're still amazing. And I get them to say it with me because they need to know and hear it too from themselves because this is what turns into the voice in their head when they become adults. Welcome to the Dairy to Move podcast. I am your host, Colleen Wetmore. Each week, I will give you a guest or a thought that will help you become aligned with your soul and your life's purpose. We will have conversations about raw and real topics with inspiring and motivational individuals. So let's get deep, and I dare you to move into who you were meant to be. Welcome back to the Dairy to Move podcast. I'm your host, Colleen. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I love you and I'm so grateful that you're here. Today we have a very, very magical episode. Very magical. Um, I had the pleasure of interviewing Mars Fuller. She is a friend of Kylie's who was on last week and she's truly just an amazing human being truly amazing, so caring, and just so passionate, and just a very magical human being. And I wanted to have her on because I've always been interested in conscious parenting, which I know is kind of funny because I talk on here all the time about how I do not want children of my own, most likely. Um, So yeah, we talk about all about conscious parenting and living in the moment and, you know, breathing when you want to yell at your kids. And she definitely talks about them triggering her. Um, We talk about her, how intuitive her children are. And then we talk about her son falling out of a 15 foot window and he made it. That story is absolutely remarkable. And we talk about raising kids inside the matrix. Like the matrix is real. We are being controlled by a higher whatever darkness um, government whatever you want to call them I call we call them the deep state but we are controlled by them so how like to raise your kids in that and just <laughs> there's actually a very interesting daycare story in this so definitely want to listen to that we also talk about manifestation and many other things um, I know you will find her as magical as I did this I had chills the whole episode. She's just truly a remarkable human being, and I know you will love it. And I will see you all soon. Have a good week, everyone. Thank you, Mars, for coming on the Dare to Move podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. You were actually recommended to me by our friend Kylie, so she was on the podcast. So, yes, um... Yeah, I kind of want to talk with you about conscious parenting because she brought it up and I think that's so intriguing and I'm very interested in it, even though, like I was saying, how I don't really think I want children of my own, but I'm very interested in learning more about conscious parenting because I think Mm -hmm. it's probably a better way to raise our children than we were raised. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> That's part of my platform actually is giving yeah. yourself permission to step away from the model that you know from your parents, what they took from their parents. Yeah. So how do you do that? Like, how do you work with moms on that or parents if you work with dads too? Yeah. Well, it's so funny because my, my goal is to work with moms because of my own experience. And although I do coach my husband, sometimes he coaches me Mm -hmm. in return. I do have a lot of dads, you know, messaging me on the side or reaching out to me and saying, Oh, I love that episode. That was great information for me. So um, my focus is really moms because as women in general, and I'm sure you can attest to this, um, the mind is either your best friend or a terrible critic that can beat you up and pull you down. And as moms, Mm -hmm. we can feel so much shame. Um, And I've found that it really comes back to judgment of how we're judging others and their experience. And then when we find ourselves in a similar situation, we're shaming ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so when I work with moms, I help them give themselves permission to forgive for any of that judgment of others and of themselves and to give themselves permission to focus on them. So we kind of give up everything who we were and we go into this spiral of feeling like we've lost ourselves. And I didn't want to be a mom either. I went through that Mm -hmm. same thing. Every man that I dated who wanted that in their future, that was kind of an end for us because I didn't see myself. I was a career woman. I didn't see myself being a parent. And when I met my husband, it was kind of that, (laughs) it's cheesy, Uh but you know, I felt like, oh, this is it. I know. It's awesome. Um, So uh, when when I became a parent, I went through that same spiral of I've lost myself. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know if I'm doing this right. And you go through this cycle in your head of beating yourself up. Yeah. And it really is all about changing that story, that story that you're telling yourself and how you're supporting yourself um, that can change your entire experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I start there. What's the story? What story are you telling yourself and how can we create a new one so that you can have a better experience. Wow. Yeah. I can't imagine like I hear on podcasts, oh, I get like one hour a week to myself. And I'm like, I get five hours a day to myself and it's still not enough time. I don't know how (laughs) parents do it. Well, that's the fun and creative part too. So that's the biggest excuse that I hear from other moms is I just don't have the time. When am I going to find the time to meditate, for example? It's almost like Mm -hmm. meditation is a bad word to moms and they scrunch up and they go, oh God, I could never. When am I going to get peace and quiet? And so when I went to India, I was trained in dynamic meditation, which is all about Mm. activity and movement. And so I've worked that into my own life with my own kids of how can I be active and find meditation and movement and meditation and just being present. So um, even the breath, finding time to take three conscious breaths can Mm -hmm. change your entire day. Yeah. Wow. Um, Yeah, I've heard of dynamic meditation through Yoga Girl. She talks about it all the time. I haven't done it yet. I think I probably should. (laughs) Oh, there's so much you can... Osho is big. So my master in India studied with Osho, um, who, you know, there was a a YouTube series about him uh, that came out after I went to India. But I still find (laughs) that his principles... Uh, in movement because the old yogic meditation 
is all about sitting still and cross-legged. And I listened to your episode that you had with Eva, where she helped you discover like, oh, you don't have to sit in certain positions. You can find (laughs) peace and movement. And yoga is actually a dynamic meditation that helps prepare your body to sit. So if you experience things like dancing and movement, and then you sit, your body's not as, um, it doesn't have the desire to squirm out of itself as much as you would if you just said, okay, I'm going to sit down and meditate right now. Right. So then how do you work with moms when that shame and judgment comes up? Do you do, you do like coaching with them? Coaching, yes. Um I have a course that I'm building right now that we can maybe talk about throughout the episode, but Mm -hmm. um, where it always starts is whose voice is that? Whose shame is that? And anybody, even if you're not a parent, you can relate to this. If you're feeling any sort of shame in your life or something that's angering you or aggravating you and you sit in meditation and you listen to what this voice is telling you that's causing you that feeling of shame. Whose voice is it? Is it really your voice? Is it your mother's voice? I know my mom's voice gets in my head often, (laughs) even with all of the love and work that I've given to myself over the years, she will still show up and I have to pump the brakes. There's mine. Mm. (laughs) I'm making a peek. That's Kirby. (laughs) I have to pump the the brakes before I allow that story to become my reality because I don't want her voice of shame saying that I shouldn't have friends, that I should give my boys all of my attention and no one else, because I know that a healthy life is, yes, having friends, having time away from my children, giving myself break, being selfish. Mm -hmm. Those things are needed for me to be my best self for my kids. Um, So identifying whose voice it is, that's the most important first step in any sort of growth process. Mm -hmm. So is that the stuff? type of stuff you talk about in your YouTube channel? It is. Series of storybook motherhood. So um, back when I was in the corporate world, my my last corporate job that I held, I was a consultant and I traveled around the country teaching things like dynamic meditation and helping people. I'm sorry. (laughs) We'll just work him in. Um, And helping people change the story that they were telling themselves. And so I was able to go out there and and really do some field research of what works, what's quick and easy, because going back to what parents need, they need quick and easy. They don't have time to sit through an hour long meditation or an hour long course on how to be a better parent. They need to know what can I do right now in this moment of rage so that I don't damage my children for life. Yes. Yes. That's another thing for me. I am either at the store or I see someone I know screaming at their children and I'm like, oh my God, it like breaks my heart. And I know that I'm impatient. So I'm like, well, that's another reason why I don't want children because I would probably yell at them, but I don't like it when people yell at their kids. I just don't. It just makes me cringe. I'm like, there is a better way to talk to them. Right. Like, yeah. yes, kids do bad, bad things, quote unquote, because we perceive it as bad, but, and they still have to learn, like, I guess rules in yeah. a way, but not, I don't know. I'm in a weird phase where I'm like, rules are kind of, eh. Right. <laughs> like, I feel the same way. Rules, so I'm like, <laughs> so, yeah, you don't want to like 
go like kill a bug or something or whatever. I don't know. Or go kill the bird or what, I don't know, whatever. That That's like a little extreme, but you know what I'm saying? I'm going here, but um, I just don't like it when I see parents screaming at their children. Yeah. And, no then, one does. and then you see it like, then you realize like, yeah, the kids are out of control, but that's probably mm-hmm. because you're screaming at them all the time and they see, and they feel your, rage and your anxiety and your stress so they're like feeding off of you and I'm not saying that kids aren't hyper but I don't know I just don't like that the yelling and everything yes and we talk about spirituality and when you become a parent that practice of presence is so important because you do. I mean, they will trigger you. If there's ever been something in this existence that can create feelings inside of you, it's children and all across the spectrum. So I'm talking about like explosions of love and explosions of rage and anger. And even for someone like myself that practices breathing and meditation, they still get under my skin. And it's, I just, we kind of laugh. My husband and I will look at each other and we're like, oh, we're having a learning moment. We've (laughs) we've been asking for patience recently and what shows up, but things to give us the ability to build our patience muscle. (laughs) And that's one of the things that I work with moms first is, can you give yourself a breath? And it's really that simple. You cannot take a conscious, slow, deep, diaphragmatic breath and be raging at the same time. It's just not possible. Right. But getting to that point of giving yourself permission to take that breath is the hardest part. And I even see it in my children. Like that's kind of a a code word for us in the house is they'll even tell me, mom, take a breath. If they see me getting a little elevated, mom, take a breath. (laughs) Like you're that cartoon then, character that gets wet in the face and they're like, take a breath, mom. Exactly. And then I see it in them too of if we slow down, we're like, can we take a breath right now? And you see their little ego just holding on to that anger for dear life. I don't want to take a breath. I want to prove to you how angry I am. But as soon as they do, you're yeah. back to center again. And it's that easy. And I think that as human beings, we make it so complex and we think that we've got to do something grand to actually make a big difference and a change, but we don't. Mm. It's as easy as that breath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is something that I think we all need to do. Yeah. Up. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you talk about when you see other parents yelling, they're mm-hmm. just doing what they learned from their parents. Yeah. And I remember... When we, here, so let's rewind. My husband and I read a book back in 2017 called The Conscious Parent by Shafali Saberi. And she's, Oprah's a big fan of her. She's been on Oprah's you know, podcast and magazines and things. And what we took away from that is the ability to step outside of how we were parenting and look at the things that we took away from our own parents, the habits that we took away. And Mm -hmm. we thought in the beginning that we had to discipline through shame or through fear. They need to be afraid of us so that they don't do these things that could eventually kill them if they ran across the street, for example. They need to fear us. But we didn't like the way that we felt when we feared our parents. And so reading that book allowed us to step back and say, what kind of parents do we want to be? What type of experience did we want as children? And how can we give that to our boys effectively? Mm -hmm. And so we started with a vision and we just wrote out 
what our vision looked like for the family that we wanted to have. And from that vision, we knew the actions that we needed to take in order to reach that. And so we, we have a code word, the boys say ninja, if things get, they came up with this word. And if dad and I are talking about things and we don't yell ever, but to children, it doesn't take much for them to feel like things are getting elevated. They can feel the energy. And so if they see that, you know, the discussion is getting a little heated, they come over and they go, dad, ninja or mom ninja and and it gives us we love it because it gives us the chance to step back and go oh you know what we were getting a little heated there thank you boys (laughs) yeah wow wow. (laughs) so I do want to go back to conscious parenting but I'm very curious about how your upbringing was so my parents are old hippies (laughs) (laughs) They were, you know, the free loving, lived in a commune when they were younger, smoked grass, still smoke grass. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And they gave me, I knew I was magical when I came into the world and I was very curious and they gave me the space and the freedom to explore that. And they never judged me. So, you know, if I was having psychic moments, for example, they were very open to, okay, interesting. What is that? Tell me more about what you see when you smell that flower or what you heard uh, when you woke up this morning in the middle of the night. Um, They were very open Mm. and they never judged me. Wow. So I think that was helpful in my upbringing and, and knowing that, okay, kids are magical. And so I've been able to transfer that into my own parenting. And um, like I was attuned to Reiki in 2014 and my oldest son was almost two years old. And I asked him if I could give him Reiki. So my oldest son was two years old the first time I gave him Reiki. And I asked him, can I give you Reiki? I want you to experience this. And he said, sure. And, you know, at two years old, it's there's very little communication. There's words and parents can understand what kids are saying, but, you know, outsiders probably not. So I started to give him Reiki and he had his eyes open and most people, when they receive, they close their eyes. But he looked up over my left shoulder and he said, oh, mom, what a beautiful angel. And I looked behind me and I said, okay, tell me more. And he said, oh, there's a beautiful angel right there. She's just dancing over top of you. So, I mean, for anybody who's experienced Reiki and know the feelings that come through, it's so beautiful that he could see that while he was also receiving the energy. I just love that. Wow. That gave me chills. (laughs) And it's sad because a lot of parents who aren't conscious or don't believe in spiritual stuff or psychic abilities will kind of take that away from their children. Exactly. And that's, I see this so much with parents and I try not to interfere, but you know, our, our youngest now is two and he's in that monster phase where he's like, mommy, I see a monster. I see a monster. And instead of saying things that most parents do, like there's no monster there, there's nothing there. You're fine. You're safe. I ask him, Oh, there's a monster. Tell me about the monster. What does the monster look like? Because they have such a limited vocabulary. And at that age, the veil is still so thin for them. 
So they could very well be seeing things like angels or light beings or things that, you know, our adult minds don't really comprehend anymore. And so, and if they're still scared, I'll dig a little bit more in and say, well, what scares you about this? Is it because it's something you've never seen or is it something that that they're doing that's scaring you? And our four-year-old was having a visitor every night. And one of my friends said, why don't you ask him to ask its name? because it could be one of his guides that's there to protect him. Right. And so I shared with our four-year-old um, this instruction, and he did, and the, the, the visitor stopped coming after that. So he asked yeah. the name, right, exactly. But I think that parents who just shush it under the rug or say, that's, not, that's just your imagination, that's yeah. when we start to dampen that connection that yeah. we have. And um, we've been very, very careful not to do that for our boys because we, we want to see what happens. What happens when you do let them be as magic as they are? Oh, I, I they literally the world. whole body chills right now. <laughs> uh, and then it's like, I wonder if I ever had, because I have no really no memories of my childhood. So I'm like, did I ever have experiences like that? I don't know. Right. It's, like, it's kind of yeah. heartbreaking. So yeah. I'm really happy that like you and other mothers like Kylie are like encouraging kids to be open to their gifts and accept it as like, yeah, this is kind of like normal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it, it absolutely is normal. You know, we've lived in this oppressive society. You read Shaman Durek's work about the oppression that we've all been raised around. And so imagine what the world could be like if we, as moms, and dads supported our kids and raised them in a way that they, that they do think this stuff is normal. This is yeah. their normal. Yeah. Imagine what the world would look like. I know. Yeah. So you said, it, but before we recorded that you have some stories <laughs> about your children. Was that, do you have more? Or? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. So many. So each one of them. So <laughs> our oldest, you know, he's been the one that we're growing and learning from the most because he was the one who made his parents. So um, his experience is the one that's kind of teaching us how to navigate through these things. And um, before our son, our last son was born, Pike, um, our, our oldest, Osiris, was looking out the window and he said, oh, And he turned and looked at me and was waiting for me to respond. And I said, what is it, buddy? And he said, he's talking to me. And I said, who's talking to you? And he's like, the star. And I was like, okay. I was like, what's the star saying? And he's kind of listening and giggling. And he's like, he's at a star party. I was like, oh, I was like, that's fun. Who's at the star party? And he listens. And he goes, everybody, of course. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, that's fun. What's going on? And he's like, well, he's preparing to come here because that's where we all come from. We all come from stars and that's where we go back to after we die. And I was like, okay, that's that's really cool. So what are they doing at the star party? And he said, well, he's getting ready to come here now. And then he's going to fall down, 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 down and bonk his head. (laughs) And then he'll be here. (laughs) Okay. So I... I just thought that was such a beautiful explanation. It is. (laughs) He was three at the time. Yeah, about to turn four. So um, he's just, he's always been so magical with the little tidbits that he picks up and he's 
very sensitive around people. Like he can, mm-hmm. he can pick up if someone's feeling down or if someone's feeling angry or if someone doesn't have that vibe that he wants to be around and we don't push it. You know, some kids, some parents say, well, he's just shy, you know, go over there and talk to that person. Don't push the kids. They know they can feel these things. If there's somebody who they don't want to be around, there's a reason for it. And there's no reason to push them into it. Wow. So that's Osiris. And we, we call our parenting style free range um, because remember when we grew up, we were able to ride our bikes and we were just so free and that was so magical to us. And so we try to give that same gift to our boys, but a lot of other parents and especially our you know parents of our parents' age, they can't handle that. They think, you know, oh, you're being reckless with your children by letting them play a hundred feet away. Or, you know, there's a lot of judgment that comes along with letting your kids play outside of your reach. You know, if you're not there to catch them, they're going to die. But kids fall and they get hurt. And even if you're right next to them, you know, we've got friends who we were all swimming in the pool and their son slipped and hit his head on the concrete and had to go get staples in it. And we were all right there. So you can't avoid these bad things that happen. And the ability to let go a little bit gives them that ability to explore and feel comfortable and confident exploring. And so we were living in Hawaii um, after Guatemala. We went to Hawaii for six months and we were living in this kind of tree house situation that didn't have windows. It was all screened in and the boys loved to climb on everything. And we just kept thinking somebody's going to go through that screen and we would say, boys, you've got to stop climbing on the back of the couch like that. Somebody's going to go through that screen. And I thought it would be our youngest who was one at the time. And uh, so anytime he was near any of the edges, I was always running over to grab him and pull him back because he's a baby still. I've got to keep some sort of grip on him. And this one morning I was making breakfast and I looked up and I saw Bodie, who's our four-year-old now, on the back of the sofa. And I went to take the breath to say, get down. And he went through the screen and he fell 15 feet onto a wood deck. And I barely remember leaving the stove and it was almost like I flew down the steps to get to him as quick as I could. And he was completely white, pale white. He wasn't breathing. He was just lifeless. And my husband uh, was an EMT for a short period in his life. And he said, don't touch him, don't move him. And I was just screaming at the top of my lungs and I did all I knew to do. And I got down on my knees and I dug my hands into the earth and I said, please let him feel this. Let him feel everything in his body. Because that's big for us. Feel what's in your body. Stay in your body. It's important. Let him feel this. Don't let him try to escape whatever it is that hurts right now because I wanted him to stay in his body. And um, he came back too. And when he first came back too, he was just kind of making like these groans. And then my first thought was, oh God, he's brain dead. But he wasn't. He kind of came to and he had a bump on his head. And and as soon as he was able to talk, we asked how he was feeling. And he said, mom, you came to me as an angel and you pulled me back to the deck here. So he had some sort of near-death experience. But then... So it it turned out he had fractured his skull and he had to be flown to another island, to Oahu, to get treatment um, for this injury that he had. 
but he was up walking around and all the doctors said, he's a miracle. There's a little girl in the room next door who fell the same fall and she'll never walk again and never talk again. So this is the weird part of the story. So that happened. He said that I came back to him and pulled him, pulled him into this back into the porch. And then the other night, it must've been like two weeks ago, we were laying in bed and I was, you know, rushing his hair, putting him to sleep. And he said, mom, can I tell you something? And I said, sure, buddy, you can tell me anything. And he's like, you won't be mad. And I'm like, no, buddy, I won't ever be mad at you for anything. I will always love you. And he said, I was never in your belly. I'm like, okay, what do you mean? I was never, you were never in my belly. And he said, I, I wasn't the one who was in your belly. He said, I came after the fall. Doesn't that just give you chills? Yes. So this soul that's in this vessel, he says, came after the fall in Hawaii. So that was heavy news to receive. And so, of course, I said, oh, Bodhi, I always love you. I love this Bodhi and I love that Bodhi. And I'll love any Bodhi that comes after. And so he felt relieved. Like you could see the tension in his body fall. And I talked to my husband about it that night. We had a very long philosophical chat about, well, you know, what is your son? Is it this physical meat suit (laughs) that is here in this existence? Or is it the soul or... um, you know, we, we kind of buy into the, we're all the same soul and just having different experiences. There's different pieces. So it it wasn't like, we've got to get this imposter out of the house, but it was a very interesting message to receive from him. Do you think that souls did switch out or do you think that he, his soul kind of thinks that? Right. So we've been... Or like he changed somehow when he thought, I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's very... <laughs> well, side never note. heard a story like this. <laughs> Aside from know. conscious parenting, my well, husband and I have been researching um, DMT recently. DMT. Um, which is, they call it the God chemical, um, which is what's released into your body after death and your transition into the afterlife. And there's, you can, you can experience that through, there's frog medicine that's called 5-MeO-DMT. And then there's synthetic versions of that. And there's, you know, ayahuasca is like scratching the surface of that. It doesn't quite get to the DMT, but I I think it's in the same family. I'm not an expert. We've just been researching because Mm -hmm. my husband has a very strict, Christian Southern Baptist upbringing. And he questioned a lot of that. And he questioned a lot of the doom and gloom. You're going to go to hell for listening to rock and roll, or you're going to go to hell for this or that. And you can only get into heaven for these reasons. Mm -hmm. And he really questioned a lot of that. And so recently we've been exploring the the DMT and the effects of that and how people who have near-death experiences, it's similar to this DMT experience where they come back and they're not the same. They're not the same person because they've recognized and realized what's after. And so they bring back a totally different experience. So I think you're right. I think that it's probably, yes, still Bodhi's soul, but he's a different person now after that near-death experience. Wow. Yeah. I've never... I didn't even think that was possible, honestly. Like, I know there's, like, traumas of your past lives, which are which are technically the same time. But, yeah. 
like past life trauma, your soul can bring that up. But I never thought that like if you had a current life trauma that your soul right. would be like, oh, I'm not in the same body as I was or like that's wild. Right. I know. Wow. I know. But again, we don't say, no, Bodhi, you're wrong. You were in my belly. We just say, no. oh, okay, that's interesting. And of course, we still love you. Right. Of course. I'm interested. We'll have to keep in touch because I'm interested as he gets older, if he'll yeah. still think that. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Or if like a psychic or someone can help him like kind of work through that. Dig into that a bit more. Right. Yeah. That, it'll come up as a tri- soul trigger at some point. Right. Exactly. I know. <laughs> we joke about that too. We're like, you know, it doesn't wow. matter how how much we do and and try to build for them to have this beautiful, magical childhood. Something's going to come back and they're going to be like, my parents were gypsies and I'm traumatized by that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I mean, like your parents were hippies and you're still like, all right, we got a consciously parent and your parents are <laughs> wonderful. So, I mean. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, my husband would disagree. He's like, your dad was high most of your life. Like, it's no wonder you feel the way you do about men or what, you know. Like, That's he's- trauma in a way. But <laughs> right. your husband's, like, upbringing, that's got to be brutal. Because the religion and stuff. Um, so my husband, um, when he was 18 years old, joined the United States Marine Corps. And this was in 2006. And he did two tours in Fallujah. And if you remember that time period, 2007, 2008, that's when it was really rough over there. And he was Marine Corps, like frontline, like going yeah. in and doing things that, um, that they asked him to that really damaged him emotionally um, in the long run. And there were several times where he didn't have near-death experiences, but he had the I should have died experiences and the survivor's guilt and all of these things that came along with it. And when I share with him how grateful I am for the man that he is, for the father that he is, he also is grateful because he says, you don't know who I was before that experience at war. He's like, I was not the person who I am today. Uh And I guess people would agree, people who knew him and grew up with him, it sounds like he was... You know, yeah, like he says, a totally different person, somebody who I probably wouldn't want to hang around with. So I'm grateful that I met him after his time in the war. And there are things, you know, there are things that we struggle with because of the PTSD and the traumatic brain injury. And, you know, I find random like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in the the knife drawer the other day. I'm like, this is weird. How did this get here? (laughs) So there's little things. But you know what? That's been part of my journey, too. And another reason why I was like, I want to study Reiki because I'll be able to give Reiki to my husband mm. and to myself. But, you know, yeah. he's been part of the journey too of experiencing and exploring some of these healing modalities because of his own mm. things that he's overcoming. Wow. You guys mm-hmm. sound truly really remarkable. So oh. <laughs> thank, thank you for you. sharing those stories. Yeah, of course. You literally just, I still have chills. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, Kylie, who introduced us, she often jokes. She's like, I, when I come into my next life, I want you to be my mom. <laughs> like, I would love to be your mom in the next life. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so I kind of want to go back to conscious parenting. So yes. and like dive a little bit deeper on what it is, because to me, conscious parenting is just like, 
not losing your shit and not screaming at your children and being more mindful. So is that it or is there more to it? I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. But it's kind of like what I said about recognizing where you are right now and how you got there. Because oftentimes it's just learned behavior Mm -hmm. and these negative habit patterns that we've picked up from the people who raised us that we're just passing down. So conscious parenting first is about breaking that cycle. And if you came from a, you know, a beautiful upbringing and you loved your parents and everything that they did with you and you want to do the same, I think it's still important to be conscious of the decision. I'm deciding to follow in their footsteps and to parent the same way that my parents did. Mm-hmm. So it's about, you know, that vision. Like I talked about my husband and I made the vision of what type of parents we want to be and then deciding and choosing every day and every moment that we are going to be present, that we are going to take that breath and think about that long-term vision before we yell. You know, I'm going to yell all the time. One of my favorite examples is one of my children stuck his hand into a drawer as I was closing it. And my first knee-jerk reaction was to yell, why did you do that? Why would you stick your hand in a drawer when I'm closing it? You know, but he's four. Of course yeah. he stuck his hand in the drawer when I was closing it. So I, I take a breath and I think this is the first way I want to react is to yell. And I have this little quick conversation in my head of why do I want to yell? Because I hurt him. And it makes me feel like I'm a bad mom that I smashed his hand. And so I want to yell at him because I want that feeling out of my body. Mm. So when I breathe through it, the feeling moves through me and I don't hang on to that anger. I let it go and it moves through. And then I'm able to say, are you okay? I'm so Mm -hmm. sorry. And it doesn't matter if it was his fault that he put his hand in the drawer. What matters is that I'm there for him to say, I see that you got hurt. Are you okay? So that's conscious parenting Mm. is being conscious of every reaction. And then there's still going to be moments of anger. And my boys are so sensitive. It doesn't even take me yelling. They can feel my energy shift and they know if something's going on and mom's not happy. And so it's all about the recovery, right? Ninja. (laughs) So it's all about the recovery too. So I walk them through this exercise where I say, boys, even though, even though mom gets mad sometimes, even though sometimes you do break the rules or break a glass or spill a cup of milk, even though I still love you, you still matter. You're still important. You're still amazing. And I get them to say it with me because they need to know and hear it too from themselves because this is what turns into the voice in their head when they become adults. You know, I'm awful. I'm clumsy. I'm an idiot for spilling the milk. I'm this, I'm that. Whatever, you know, parents say to their kids when they've made a mistake or had an accident. And so that recovery piece I have found is so critical because it helps their confidence. You know, they can recover quickly from an accident. And we have this saying in in our house that, the only mistake is not making mistakes. And people who hear it from the outside, you know, our six-year-old Osiris is running around telling kids that on the playground, the only mistake is not making a mistake because we want to encourage them to continue to grow and explore and take risks because the only mistake is not taking those risks, is not making those mistakes. Right. And so people ask me, they're like, your kids are so confident and outgoing. How do you get them that way? Well, <laughs> the recovery is a big part of that. 
That's awesome. Yeah. As someone who has really low self-esteem, that's truly amazing <sighs> to see kids like confident and everything. So that's right. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, it sounds like you're very aware of the matrix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you raise kids knowing about the matrix? Oh, goodness. Well, <laughs> we experienced it. <laughs> it's like, to me, it's like conscious parenting. I always had the stereotype when I had the matrix brain. Now that I'm aware of it, I always was like, well, conscious parenting, their kids are just going to grow up to be that word of snowflakes because mm-hmm. they're not going to take care of themselves. And they're just going to be dead end, like dead end beat people working at wherever the rest of their life, not contributing to society. And that's obviously a matrix thought I had right. for me as you were talking <laughs> about it. And I'm like, so how do we like get around that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause you still have to teach them like quote unquote right and wrong and right. being growing into an adult because that's what society mm-hmm. is. But again, that's also the matrix. So yeah. what the fuck do you do? Yes. So step one, the matrix thrives on the fact that we don't use our body to feel into our intuition anymore or to feel mm-hmm. into the experiences that we want to have. And so from the beginning, if they fall and they scrape their knee, we guide them. Feel it. Feel it. Where does it hurt most? What does it feel like? Feel oh. it and know that your body is intelligent and it's sending little platelets there to help patch up your body to get better again. Right. And when they're upset... Where do you feel it most? Where do you feel it? Where do you feel your sadness right now? Get into your body. And even at nighttime, when they're having trouble getting to sleep, I do a little guided meditation with them to help them get into their body and feel their heartbeat and travel and find their pulse in their hand or in their foot or something, just so that they develop this pattern of staying in their body. Because if you're in your body, the matrix can't tell you which way you need to go. You feel which way you want to go. You can hear your heart and you know what that inner voice is and those inner feelings that guide you. So that's step one. Step two, we experienced firsthand when our oldest son started kindergarten last year and we Mm. watched his magic drain from him almost immediately when he had to start following all the rules and He was biting his nails down to the nubs where they were almost bleeding from the anxiety of having to sit still. I mean, he's a very animated kid and he's a bright, bright light, but to have to sit there at a desk and not say a word was a lot on his soul. And the silly things that he would get in trouble for throughout the day for, you know, not walking in a straight line or not asking Mm -hmm. to go to the bathroom. So, I mean, he came home a couple of times having had an accident. And I'm like, what happened? You know where the bathroom is. But because the teacher didn't see him when he held up his crossed fingers, which means go to the bathroom in kindergarten, he just had an accident. And he has a change of clothes, but he didn't tell the teacher that he needed to change because he didn't want to get in trouble for having the accident. So, I mean, all these little things were just crushing his spirit. And so what we would do is go right behind him and and every day, what were the rules that you learned today? How can we break the rules without hurting anybody? What can we do differently? How can we be kind even though someone was being cruel to us? What do we know about these kids when they're bullying? What's happening in their home? What do you think their parents are like? And how can we send them love even though they were pulling our hair or spitting on us or being mean? How can we send them love? 
And so it's almost like the unraveling, right? Like us who are we're in our adulthood on the spiritual journey, we talk about unlearning. <laughs> we're unlearning all the things that the matrix put into us for our first yeah. 30 plus years. And so I'm doing it real time. Like, okay, you're going to kindergarten today. Let's unlearn. Let's unravel some of these things. And we call it a game. We're like, it's like a video game, you know? Like you follow the rules while you're there. You get the gold star. But when you get home, you know, it's just a game. You know, you just followed those rules because you had to get through the day. And girl, thank God for COVID. Because when we took them out of school in March, the light came back. And we decided this year to start homeschooling because... yeah. We don't want to take that away from him. And at first, my husband was so worried. He's like, oh, he's going to be one of the weird homeschool kids that doesn't mm-hmm. have you know, any friends or social skills. But he still thrives. He's still out there meeting kids on the playground when we go to the playground. And he's not a weird kid at all. He's totally awesome. And we've been doing homeschool since March. So yeah. we're going to stick with it. So step two was unlearning? Step two is unlearning, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I... It's hard because we are still human. So we do need to learn and have grown knowledge and Mm -hmm. like live in society. But I just wish that more people would awaken to the fact that we need both. Like, yeah, we need to still have school, but they need more freedom and Mm -hmm. not be sitting all day. Right. Like you could still learn and do something creative and fun. Yeah. And then there's like talk of taking away art and like all this other stuff. And oh, like, can you imagine? Like, I know. What the hell? Right. I know. Like let's, and then it's like, let's teach them about the real history of the yes. freaking planet and incorporate spiritual stuff into exactly. it. Exactly. Yes. So that's our step three. <laughs> aliens. That's our and step. And our DNA and how exactly. we're like, like just. I mean, just, it, ugh. Yeah. So we, we do, we talk about these things, we involve them and we explain in detail about the whys, like why society has built it this way and, and why things are the way they are. And my children don't know how to describe someone by the color of their skin. They don't know. It's not in their vocabulary because we don't do it. And I love that for them. Yeah. You know, if they talk about a kid that they meet on a playground, they'll use their hair as a description or the color of the shirt that they were wearing or the type of shoes or the smile that they had. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it was either last year or two years ago, my dad was explaining Martin Luther King Day and, and he asked something about black kids or something. And my son goes, what's black and I love it, that for him. don't see color like that. Oh, and to me, that's tomorrow. That's the future. That's how we get there. For me, you know, we don't continue on with they versus them and us and yeah. them. And that's not the way that we're going to grow. It's hard because you have place. to unravel all that conditioning. And you have right. to also acknowledge that people of color have gone through mm-hmm. all this crap and oppression because we chose to see color as yeah. a bad thing. Yeah. And it sucks. <laughs> I know. And now we're all in this situation where kids don't see color, but it's like, yes, but you still have to learn like the history of why. Right. There's mm-hmm. a problem with what we're, what we as white people did right. to people of color. Like it's, Ugh. it's like you have to see both. 
Right. Yeah. So when everything first started happening with with the riots, with Mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter, we we tried doing some education around it. And it really created more fear into, Mm -hmm. is daddy going to be killed by a police officer? And we're like, oh, no, we don't want you to to have distrust in the police. That's not where we're going with this. So it's it's definitely tricky, but also beautiful. You know, I just don't want to shatter that no, there's there. Of course, there's no difference in you, yeah. and every, everybody has the same opportunity that that you do, that we all do, to love, to be kind, to change the world. Yeah, I believe that in a way. <laughs> it's just in the matrix what we see. It's just I don't know. We're not there yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but one day we will be. <laughs> yeah. I keep hearing that next, so 2024, so from now until 2024 is going to be huge with more people awakening and stuff. So Mm. I hope. Yeah. (laughs) I think I've, I've even seen, you know, I come from a small town in Virginia and I've even seen through social media, the awakening that people are having right now. And even if it is, you know, some things are around conspiracy theories but at least they're starting to question, you know, at yeah. least they're starting to open their eyes and go, well, wait a minute, things aren't what they have always seemed to be. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, maybe a good first step. Yeah. I love conspiracy yeah. theories. <laughs> I don't often like feel great. Like they bring a lot of fear, but it's, it's, it's right. It, you're right. Like to, it's to question everything that we've question ever everything. Heard. Yes, exactly. Don't you kind of feel like Nancy Drew? Like, oh. I have uncovered another clue in this conspiracy theory. And what if this and what if that? (laughs) It's just hard because conspiracy theories go down the other way. And they're still fear-based no matter which Mm -hmm. way you go. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But it is true. Like, they are good to awaken more people. It's just when people take it too far to where they're like, this conspiracy theory is the truth. And this is the only truth. No, it's not the only truth. But okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely (laughs) right. can of worms there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well I'm glad I asked that because I just obviously I think when you're when our kids are older it's going to be a lot different I hope for the better yeah obviously Shaman Derek has a lot of predictions that freak me the fuck out so <laughs> I don't know if he's you've listened to any of him him saying any of them but they're kind of scary so <laughs> like which ones oh god it's it's very scary um a lot of just a lot more corruption and like earthquakes and societies like being slaughtered and murdered and war world three and just Mm. it's bad like it's like the end of humanity in like 10 years if we don't change change he's saying there's good news because you can we can change yeah we just have to like release ourselves from the matrix and it's right. like it's so scary but then at the same time I'm like I gotta have hope because if I have fear then I'm feeding into it and it's like no it's just right. it's a lot. if you I don't know if you listened listen to his podcast but the one he had this week he talked about it a lot so we'll go listen to mm, that I'll have to go back and listen it's the one with Kelsey but, Patel was the guest know, it so goes in the beginning about all this stuff and scare the living bejesus out of me. And oh like, no, I'll have to go back and listen to that one. Yeah. But for me, it goes back to, you know, like we talked about 
we try to make these things so complex. Like, how are we going to change? It's going to take so yeah. much. It's so complex. But it really does start with you, yep. yourself, how you're, you are healing, what you're doing to heal. And I was having this meditation, I don't know, maybe a year ago. And I asked the question, what is it? Why are there still things in me that I just can't yeah. quite get to to heal? And I saw almost like a guitar string inside myself. And I've received the, it's this easy, just pluck the string and you're healed. Like the vibrations, they will heal you. And, and I believe it. I believe it is that healing, that easy to heal, but we hang on so tight. Those, the stories that we tell ourselves, all the trauma that we've been through, all the healing that needs to be done are part of our identity. We hang on to it. So I think part of that is... Growing up in the matrix, we have to, like, it's hard to see past that because it's like we're holding on to that suffering. So holding on to our limiting beliefs is holding on to that feeling of what we've grown up to know, I guess, like that humanness, which I still struggle with because I'm like, they're like, oh, the matrix, or we're in an awakening and all this stuff's going to change. And I'm like, but I still like TV. Is TV going to end? Right. Like, what are we going to do with ourselves? <laughs> so I'm like, what's going to happen? And I'm like, are we just going to have like Gaia type television? Like, I'm like, what? Right. So that's me in the matrix. Like, right. But then mm-hmm. I'm like, but wait, we're still human. So it's not like we're all going to elevate into the stars. Like we still are human. Yeah. That human experience. So I'm like, well, I guess we'll just have to see what's going to happen. Right. Isn't it fun and exciting? The unknown. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So I want to talk a little bit about your journey. Yeah. A lot of bit about your journey because I'm just very curious of how you got into all of this. Right. (laughs) You worked in corporate, so that's obviously fun times in our lives. (laughs) Right. Yes, because you know that's what I was told to do. Yep. (laughs) And that's what our parents were told to do. (laughs) But um, for me, it started. You know, I told you I had this kind of magical childhood and everything Everything was very mystical and my parents gave me the freedom for that. And I was 17 years old when my mom gave me a copy of Deepak Chopra's The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. And it was like receiving this magical field guide that gave me the rules to have a life without suffering. And I, I can't tell you how many times I read it at age 17, but it came at such a critical time for me because you remember 16, 17, 18 years old. That was mm-hmm. a really difficult period in life. There was a lot of struggle just with the hormones and the emotions. So reading that book was such a, 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 an eye-opener for me. I won't call it an awakening. It was an eye-opener. And so it, it gave me the permission to try something different. Like, okay, let me see what it what it's like to believe that money is currency and that it does flow in and out. Let me start with that belief there and see what that does. And then um, I moved to Los Angeles and with those beliefs, and that was around the time that The Secret, the movie The Secret came out. And so I started playing with manifestation and I could manifest anything, jobs, boyfriends, um, trips around the world, uh, you name it, like anything I wanted, cars, I was manifesting. I became a manifestation queen. But there was still that feeling of something's missing. Something feels empty inside. There's still this kind of lack feeling or this I'm not good enough feeling. And that's because I hadn't done the healing. Like I was learning all these 
tricks and tools, but I hadn't actually gone inward and, you know, done the shadow work and, and explored what these voices were that were telling me that I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And so um, I climbed my way all the way to the top at a nonprofit organization as the associate vice president of wow. marketing communications. And, you know, it was, I had just bought my first house. And also in that same year, I had an EKG for the chest pains I was having, an MRI mm-hmm. for the migraines, an mm-hmm. endoscopy for the stomach pains. Mm-hmm. I was on more medication than I could even tell you. I don't even know what the things were that they were giving me. And every doctor had the same thing to say. There's nothing wrong with you. Yep. Everything came back normal. And so it was the stress. The stress was literally killing me, the stress of the job itself, but then the stress of this expectation that I was trying to hold for everyone, that I was something that, you know, I was pushing myself into this box that I thought I was supposed to be in and my soul was slowly dying. (laughs) So I met my husband around the same time and he was like, just leave. You don't have to have this big corporate job. Just leave. Go wait tables for a bit and figure it out. He was just so forgiving, you know, that it was like, I don't need this image of you being this big corporate mama, like go figure out what you want to do with your life. And so after our first son was born, I went to get my MBA and it was in my MBA school that he actually pointed it out. He's like, you know, all of the projects that you're doing are related to managing stress in the workplace. Like they would give us um, the Oculus technology, which is that virtual reality. And they're like, create a product for the Oculus. And I made a stress management program for the workplace. And then, you know, I'll create this room that people can go into and take nature walks with their Oculus. (laughs) And so he pointed that out. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I think I'm onto something here. This is lacking in the workplace. This was back in 2014. And you didn't hear about these kinds of things. So I started building a business of, stress management in the workplace and applying it real time to the job that I had. And I manifested another job where I was traveling all around the country, teaching people how to meditate in the workplace, how to be better leaders, how to be better managers by shifting their perspective and the thoughts that they were having and the way they were reacting to situations. So um, it was like a dream job, but I was traveling three weeks out of the month Um, We had a farm. We were living in South Carolina on this big farm, 50 acres, and my husband had redone the whole house, and our third son had just been born, and he's like, this is getting a little crazy. (laughs) He's like, I'm home with all three boys, and you're out traveling all the time, and um, right about that same time, we experienced a family trauma that changed our lives forever, and we were at that crossroads of, what do we do? Do we let this define us? Or do we turn this into a grand adventure? And so that was the choice that we made. We sold everything, including the forks and knives in the drawer, like sold the house, the land, everything. And we packed up and we left. We moved to Guatemala and traveled around Guatemala for a bit and just let our souls heal um, from what we went through in South Carolina and, and recovered and explored more about who we are and who we want to be as parents and what we can do and how we can show up for ourselves and for each other and continue to heal and continue to journey. And I mentioned we went to Hawaii. So after we after we left Guatemala, we went to Hawaii because we were like, oh, we're these cool hippies and traveling all around. Mm-hmm. Like we can totally do Pahoa on the big island, but we're definitely not that cool. <laughs> we're not cool enough for Pahoa. But um, the day that we landed... I got a call from my mom and she said that she had a pretty aggressive cervical cancer 
and that she had had a surgery, but it grew back and she was about to go into some heavy treatments. And so we made the decision, all right, it's time. We're going back to Virginia. Party's over. (laughs) Little did we know. (laughs) But we went back to take care of mom. I'm happy to report she is in remission. So we took care of her for a good nine months. And um, she did get COVID-19 and recovered with no problems. Um, so she is, she is strong. She's a strong woman from Germany and I have her genes. So I'm grateful <laughs> to be just as strong as her. Um, but I made the shift. So you asked about the shift from, from corporate. I was this corporate mama. That was, how do I take, <clears throat> excuse me, how do I take these tools that I've learned, these quick and easy tips and tricks that I know work for people and give those to moms. And mm-hmm. so that's where um, a storybook motherhood came from, my new YouTube show and all of the content that I'm creating right now is how can I help moms? Because I know moms are struggling. Every mom I talk to, there's not one that isn't like, oh my God, <laughs> this is hard. Yeah. So I think all of those experiences led to this moment right here. I mean, don't they always? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you mind briefly talking about what happened in South Carolina? Uh, without getting into great detail, because my husband's very sensitive to say, you know, it's not really our story to share, but um, the daycare where we were sending our boys, we uncovered basically human trafficking, child pornography, prostitution mm-hmm. of the kids. Wow. And everyone, when I say everyone, local police, state police, politicians, FBI, were wrapped up in keeping this operation going. Wow. And so we felt. To keep it going? To keep it going. So we fought for a good two months, um, you know, calling every organization we could, calling the FBI on a daily basis, um, trying to get things at the very least investigated. Yeah. And it was just one dead end after the next. And so um, that's when we made the decision. You know, all of these, it's the matrix. All of these things that are put in place that you believe are here to protect you if anything bad does happen, it's just a false sense of security. Mm -hmm. There's not, I mean, even now we're like, if there was an emergency, who do we call? (laughs) We're back in the States now. What do we do if we need something? Who could help us? It's kind of a scary place to be, but also, you know, at least we have each other. We have... We've been able to recover. Our our kids are healthy and safe and fine. You know, when I start thinking about what's happening now, it's, it's all it's coming. Dark. It's all coming to the surface, though. Now, so wow. All yeah. right, I was not expecting <laughs> that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, not everybody's bad. So there are still people to trust like like police officers and stuff it's just not everybody but I can't I can imagine why like that's crazy I was not expecting (laughs) this interview like well (laughs) it's just I don't know it's just interesting because it's all like coming to the surface now all the the trafficking places and everything's coming up now. So it's. Yeah. Well, so we talked about, we're like, you know, we should, we should just go to people were saying, go to Dateline. Dateline loves stories like this. You can just go to Dateline and tell your story and they'll take care of the rest. 
And as we were talking about this, something similar happened. I think it was in Brazil. A woman uncovered something similar and went to the press to share it. And she was murdered the next day. Yep. And so that was another conversation. You know, how much can we actually share and still feel safe? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we chose, we're not going to live in fear. We're going to go and we're going to live our lives and we're going to send love to that daycare Every day. And we still do. My son was talking about it today in the car and we send them love. We send everybody, everybody involved, even, even the, you know, quote, bad guys involved because who knows what happened to them and their situation that got them to that place where they felt like that was something they could do. Yeah. So we send them love. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so you called yourself the manifestation queen. So what were you doing? Cause I'm trying to get, it's, it's interesting because I'm a manifester in human design. Yeah. No human design, but I'm like, so like, I'm just like manifesting crap. So I'm like, what I, I, I manifest all this stuff. I'm like, what, tell me your secrets. Ooh, well, I've, I've mastered it over the years. That's awesome. <laughs> the first thing I think that is so critical for people because people talk about, I want this or I want that, but then they don't like change. Change is something that people get very, you know, their feathers get ruffled. And I'm not talking about like just the good change, but the bad change too. So embracing change is such a critical piece of manifestation because if you can't embrace the quote bad change, then you're not going to be able to embrace and invite the good change. Mm-hmm. And we're like magnets. So if we're like, COVID, it shut everything down. It changed everything in my life. I don't like this. I want everything to go back to the way it was. You know, I hear a lot of people talking about why can't we just go back? Yeah. Moms talk about, I wish I could go back to the person who I was. So when you're so adverse to change, of course, you're not going to get things that you're asking for because if you're asking for an experience or a thing or, you know, to be someone different, how are you going to get there but to change? Something has to change to get you there. Yeah. So that's that's a key piece to manifesting. I love change. I always have, you know, when I first got my first apartment every year, I was moving and people are like, why are you moving so much? I'm like, because I love the change. I love decorating new places and, you know, getting new things to fit new spaces and new visions. And I've moved all over the country and now in different parts of the world. And I just love that feeling of change. It excites me. Wow. Mm-hmm. Good to know. That's the first thing. First thing, yeah. (laughs) That's the first thing. The second thing is feeling. We talked about feeling. So not just saying, I want a new house, but the feeling. What feelings will you have when you're in that house? What will it feel like in your body? What type of emotions are you going to be experiencing? And being able to recognize when those feelings show up today. So let's say that, you know, we want a boat. That's one of the things that we're like, what else could we, you know, we don't really ask for much anymore because we feel like we have everything, but oh, a boat would be cool. Mm. What would it feel like to be on a boat? What will it feel like to have my wind (laughs) in my hair, you know? And where does that show up today? So like, I always feel in my chest because that's where a lot of love happens for me, this kind of feeling of excitement right here. So any little moment that I feel, ooh, this is what I'm going to feel like on the boat, I stop, I acknowledge the feeling, and I say, thank you, and I want more. Give me more of this, please. Thank you. Yes, I'll take more. <laughs> so I'm constantly putting it back there. Okay, universe, give me more of this feeling back. 
Wow. Yes, which is another reason why it's so important to be in your body. And I think yeah. that's a big, that's another matrix thing with mindfulness, like mindfulness, mindfulness. It's everywhere now that make mindfulness. And we miss the point, you know, it's a great tool for stress management, but mindfulness also teaches us to return to the body, to feel the subtle sensations that are happening within us. Yeah. And then that's, that's just the doorway, like that, the, the playgrounds on the other side of that, like that's just scratching the surface. Once you start feeling, you can watch things show up and manifest instantly. I mean, instant manifestations. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to work on it because <laughs> oh I'm trying to start my Reiki business and it's like even just getting testimonials is a challenge yeah how so they all were like oh I, they all like had good reviews when I was talking to them and I said yeah. oh can you give me a testimonial they're like yeah yeah nothing I'm like oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just like, what's, what am I blocking that I'm not getting the testimonials? Right. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe you could ask to record them. Like, could I record you right now? I ask you how, how it was. I know. (laughs) Would you mind right here or pen, pen to paper before they leave? Here you go. Can you write down how your experience was? Well, yeah. Yeah. I'd have to record them through the internet, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Crazy. All right, so I could literally talk to you all night, but <laughs> I know your kids got home. So um, so as we're wrapping up, do you want to talk a little bit about your Instant Stress Busters for Busy Moms course? Yes, <laughs> yay. <laughs> so I traveled around and tested all of these different quick strategies for busy managers and what I found was that a lot of the moms were experiencing this at home as well. Mm-hmm. And so um, I even had dads that would call me in the workplace, like, what have you done to Kathy? <laughs> She's a different <laughs> woman. Thank you. Please give me more. <laughs> so um, this course has kind of been in my heart for the last couple of years. And I finally sat down and, and I made it, I put it together and it literally is quick and easy, like five minutes or less. So each of the techniques are five minutes or less. One of them is even two minutes long. So right now I'm recruiting beta moms And a beta mom is someone who gets to take the course for free and give me feedback. So what worked, what didn't work, what was confusing, what was helpful, give me more of this, give me less of that, um, and also testimonials. So that could help with your testimonial too, (laughs) your testimonial dilemma. Um, So if you go to my website, marsfuller.com, M-A-R-S-F-U-L-L-E-R.com, you'll be able to learn more about that. Nice. Yeah. So a question I ask everybody is, what would you tell someone who feels stuck with their life? It's just a story that you're telling yourself. It's Mm -hmm. just a story. The stories that we tell ourselves shape the experiences that we're having. So if you're feeling stuck, ask first, why? Why are you feeling that way? And how can you change the story? And maybe just do one thing to step away Mm -hmm. from that. Nice. Wow. I have like full body chills this whole time. Oh, I love you. (laughs) I feel, I felt so connected to you from the moment that we logged on. And I'm so grateful to Kylie for introducing us because I mean, she's a soul sister too. And she's kind of gathering our clan, you know, like she, she kind of handpicks the people that were made 
and yeah. meant to know each other. So I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for our time together and for you sharing the messages that you share through Dare You to Move. Thank you. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, where can people follow you and connect with you? Oh, so a storybook motherhood are basically all of my social handles. So on Instagram and Facebook uh, has a storybook motherhood. You can look me up on Facebook, Mars Fuller, and um, add me. Sure. <laughs> Let's be friends. Mm-hmm. And then on YouTube, of course, if you search a storybook motherhood, um, just getting started. So come join the fun and see some of the things that I'm creating to help you be a better mama, to be kinder, calmer, and more connected. Mm-hmm.